Welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 37. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. I'm Mallory Lockett. And I'm Craig Bradley Knight. Craig <laughs> Bradley Knight. <laughs> so welcome, everybody, uh, to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the ancient world a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the goals that uh, I had with the game, and then we're going to talk about some of the games we've played lately, some exciting games. And I'm sure um, everyone will have some awesome things to contribute. So, uh, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Yeah. What's new? Anything uh, crazy going on? School just started for our kids. It's keeping us busy. Oh, no, it's not. Actually, it's keeping it's, us less busy. I know. It's, Thank it's, goodness. I know. It's like, oh, the house is so quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were. Go ahead. They were excited to go back. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Noah was too. Like he was telling like Jeanette like before the week school started. He's like, "Mom, I I don't feel smart. I feel dumb. I need to go back to school." (laughs) (laughs) It's like a kid who's eaten a bunch of candy and comes to you and says, "I think I just need some carrots. Can I have just like a salad or something?" Yeah. I need some more knowledge, Dad. Come on. That's true. Yeah, I I only know that it's back to school because I've noticed the habits of my neighbors change. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> I don't I don't have any kids, and obviously I'm not in school anymore. But uh, there's a lot of kids that live in my apartment complex, so I could tell just based on, especially because there's not very good. Um, noise barriers between apartments so i can hear everything that goes on in the apartment above me so i can tell by how their schedule has changed that school has started (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny yep yeah our schedule changed a little bit although not too much it's like the kids always kids always get up early Mm. seems like okay your kids wake up uh, super late compared to most well, parents. That's true. Like we are so lucky. We that's don't true. have any five o'clockers. Yeah, maybe oh, six thirty. So oh, you're so lucky. No, no. Sid gets up at six thirty and like reads for at least a half an hour until he can't hold his, you know, call of nature right. anymore. <laughs> and then he gets up at seven and he's the earliest one. And Zoe's like dragging at seven thirty and Jamie can sleep till nine if yeah, we let him. We're so. a pretty late oh, schedule family. Lucky. That's oh, true. Boy. That's true. You're lucky. Yeah. Okay, so let me let me dive into this. Uh so right now we are running the Ancient World Kickstarter. Second edition. Second edition. And there's only about as of this recording we only have about a week left. And it's going really well, and we're reaching a lot of stretch goals. And thank you so much, everybody, for your awesome support of this project. We totally could not print this without uh, your support. So Yay, uh, we're very is. excited about this game. And uh, I've been doing a ton of art and new things, but I wanted to talk about a couple of the goals I had, like why did we do second edition? Well, so I had, I have, let me talk about three different goals. So the first goal is um, thematically, it I wanted the Titans to feel more threatening. So in the original games, uh, in the original game, you just go and fight the Titans. And, and the story is they're, they're kind of attacking the world and destroying the world, but um, they never really directly attack you unless you go and fight them. So now in the game, 
you they actually attack you you put them on or every round you have to draw one and put it on your player board and if you don't take care of it by the end of the round they will attack you although there are some other ways um you can deal with them as brenna found out the last time we played <laughs> yeah. she just like kept her pet titan and just kept it happy and fed <laughs> right <by> brenna <laughs> well you know i killed most of i killed titans a lot <laughs> that's true though she I was like the once. titan hunter but yeah, but I, hers. She, you you chose a favorite. It seemed someone that you true. were just. No, I did the <laughs> yeah. the final round, or maybe even the final two rounds. I did feed, feed my Titan, but a yeah. lot of a lot of the early rounds, I was just killing them every turn, and also maybe an extra one too. But, Ruthless. But I was I was trying to test out because I had the special, uh, player ability that gave me. The ability to use armies twice per turn so i was trying to make use of that by going heavy military and just killing a bunch of titans but right right wasn't didn't work out quite as well as i had hoped it would but that was the <laughs> that was the theory <laughs> yeah 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 so um the other thing um, <coughs> that uh, i wanted to do with the uh the game one of the goals is that i wanted to have the building or one of the buildings the empire cards rather to feel more interesting and varied. So I've changed a lot of the numbers on those cards. I've changed, um, I've added, you know, victory points for different things. Like if you have sets of different banners or if you, there, you, you can get victory points if you focus on like getting a lot of food or like hoarding knowledge or, or getting coins or, or ambrosia. And so there are a whole bunch of different things you can do with the game. There are some new special abilities. Like one of the card abilities lets you upgrade citizens uh mm. so you can uh uh you can get a higher number skill without having to like uh uh grow so you don't have to get more citizens necessarily and then the other thing there's like another ability that lets you remove coins from military cards so there are a whole bunch of things like that that uh that make it more interesting and uh the third goal was i wanted to give players a new resource to play with which is the ambrosia which gives you new abilities and and uh different ways, you know, different paths. It opens up the game a little bit and uh, for, for new strategies. So, yeah. Personally, I really liked the Ambrosia when we played. I thought it was really fun and useful. Oh, cool. Yeah, I really liked that addition. And I'm so excited. We got the stretch goal for the plastic pieces for Ambrosia. It was really fun. Oh, so, yeah. We talked about that a little last week, but the I'm super stoked for the bowls of soft serve ice cream. Bay, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be cool. Okay, so um, let's talk about what games have we played lately. Well, I just played a, a interesting indie game called Donut County. That so how it's kind of like a weird puzzle game. So how it plays is each level, and this is a computer game, so it's it's not tabletop, but. Uh, for each level, you open up a little hole in the ground in this area, and you actually play as the hole, kind of. You're moving it around the screen, and you're trying to drop objects into the hole, which will make the hole get bigger, and then you can can gather up more stuff. But also, sometimes you can shoot stuff back out of the hole, or something will, like like the tail of a snake will be stuck sticking out of the hole, and you can use that to like push buttons and solve other puzzles and things. So it's a little bit... It's a little bit like Katamari Damacy if you've ever played that, 
where you are in Katamari Damacy, you're like a rolling ball of stuff that picks up stuff as you go and gets bigger and bigger. Oh, and you can yeah. like pick up new stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's kind of similar to that in that you're picking up stuff and getting bigger. But the way that you solve some puzzles with with using stuff that you like shoot back out of the hole and stuff is is different from how Katamari Damacy works. It also has more of like an actual storyline, which is one of the most interesting things about it. It's got kind of a weird story behind it, but and yeah. you know, pretty cute low poly art style. It's a really short uh, kind of simple game, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Like when I finished it, I kind of wished that there were more levels, even if they were simple levels where you're really just picking stuff up the whole time. I'm like, I don't need added complexity. I just want an infinite map that I can <laughs> drop stuff into my hole in. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I kind of wished there was more after I finished playing it, but it's really fun. I recommend it. Cool. And that one is called, again, Donut County. Okay. I think I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Low poly, huh? Yeah, that's a... I, I don't see a ton of games with that, but it seems like it's getting more popular lately, that look, that low poly look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's popular especially among, like, indie people because it doesn't require as much, like, skill, but you can still have sort of cute, nice-looking art without necessarily the huge, like, technology requirements that you would need to have, like high-tech fancy 3d art you know right yeah that's cool awesome well um one game i wanted to talk to talk about is uh great western trail mm. uh this came out a few years ago but i hadn't been able to try it until dice tower con in july and man it was a ton of fun i liked it so much i bought it and then i brought it home and then uh mallory and i played it with yeah. uh, with my brother as well. It so. was a blast. In fact, we liked it so much. We had pulled it out during, I think during our kids' nap time or something. We'd started it and we couldn't finish, but we, you know, left it out on the table, came back to it like immediately the next day as soon as we had the chance and finished it up. It It was so surprisingly, I hate to say it, but surprisingly fun. You know, when you play... A really well-designed Euro game, and you're like, that was a great game. That was a satisfying game. Like, I had a good time. But, like, you can't honestly say that every Euro game is fun unless adding numbers and manipulating goods is something that actually causes you to feel glee. <laughs> but it causes great me Western, to feel glee. It ca it's so, and some people are that type of person. But Great Western Trail has a lot of fun in it and a lot of story. I loved the winding trail that you had to follow yeah. to get up to the... I mean, it just... So in the game, you're, so... a, you're a cowboy and you've got you know the cattle and you're, you're taking them to Kansas City to sell them. And so you wind through this, yeah, you wind through this trail and the trail changes, different buildings get added to the trail and it's, and, and that really makes it different every time. But it's surprisingly thematic, you know, like it's definitely a numbersy Euro game, but it's also pretty thematic. And that's a, yeah, that's definitely what I mean by more fun than your typical Euro game. I guess it takes you out of the fact that all of it is a really well-made system and just makes you feel like you're taking some cattle up a trail to sell them on the trains and ship them to St. Louis. Like it does it it does feel like you're living that story for a moment when you're yeah. playing the game. I mean, it it doesn't have like <laughs> 
specific event cards where the oh the the you know the bandits came and tried to steal your cows. No, that, sadly it doesn't have that. Yeah, but it's a story game. <laughs> it is, it's pretty. It's still pretty thematic. So it's for a Euro fun. game, we liked it. Great Western nice. Trail. I like Western themed things, so that that definitely sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? And uh, <clears throat> a game that I played recently. It's really fun. Kind of like a, one of those like short party games where it doesn't require a lot of rules to learn. Uh, it was Secret Hitler. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> which is I've seen that one. Pretty gosh darn fun. Uh, <laughs> it's fun when you like have like this like a good group dynamic with the people you're playing with. Because uh, it's like you. <laughs> every time people thought I was Hitler, so basically the concept of the game is you have the liberals who are trying to enforce democracy. And then there's a secret Hitler that's trying to bring fascism into your like little democratic country or whatever. And uh, there are random cards that are assigned, whether it's a, a fascist card or a liberal card. And like you kind of nominate the ambassador who basically puts down the card. And the idea is to try to find out who's secret, who is the secret Hitler. And okay. as soon as like they're found out, they lose. But if fascism like goes to the very end, the Hitler wins the 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 game, and it's really fun. We were playing people that like think that you're Hitler. Like people kept thinking I was Hitler because I like was just me. <laughs> well, so we know you, it was Craig. Fun. We know you're oh, yeah. a devious man. <laughs> no, that's that's. I feel like that's always the case with social deduction games. Like it's really fun depending on the people you're playing with. Like oh, for sure, I remember playing werewolf back in like my high school days and in that case it was always my sister rose that everyone would always assume was a werewolf no matter what like i feel like in in certain <laughs> social groups you always have the one person that you always assume is secretly the bad guy <laughs> like no matter what oh, yeah. even though you know it's randomized cards right but you know a wily enough person can use the fact that everyone always assumes they're the werewolf or the secret Hitler or whatever to their advantage. So <laughs> works out for them sometimes. When people are just like, that's something a Hitler would do. Mm. And like gets people like going, oh, maybe they're Hitler. But <laughs> it's it's a really fun game. It's in the, in the art, like the way it looks and the artwork, artwork is really well done. It's just, it's a really fun, simple game that anybody can kind of pick up to play. Yeah. I'll have to try it out. I actually don't have a ton of experience with uh, social deduct deduction games. I mean, I've played kind of the the most famous ones, but uh, yeah, there's like a ton of them that I haven't even tried. Ryan doesn't have much time for any game that has social in the Oh, descriptor. that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I want my games quiet. Everyone around the table <laughs> thinking, no talking. No, yeah, it's yeah. not true. <laughs> no, I'm just Ryan, I mean, I think that's... That's the irony is like when a game's sole purpose is to get people to interact and that's all you're doing. Ryan's like, mm, uh, uh, I'm oh, out. Oh, that's not but true. I mean, I need a little single, game there. In every single game Ryan designs, he's like, I need more social interaction. Like I need more player interaction. <laughs> yeah. So well, it depends on the game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Growing up, I played mostly social games, like social type board games, because that was what my family was really into. Because my family mm -hmm. basically operates like a like an improv comedy troupe anyway. Like we're always trying to one up each other with jokes and one liners and callbacks and t making up elaborate stories that we just keep going. 
So stuff like so stuff like Werewolf would be really fun for us, like that kind of social deduction game. Or the type of social game where you're like coming up with answers to different questions and trying to guess whose answer was whose or like whichever oh, yeah. answer was the funniest is the winner or yeah. like that kind of a game. We always loved those. Yeah, yeah, definitely. My family has loved that kind of stuff too. So actually, this got me thinking, uh, speaking of social games, I want to talk about the RPG that we played at uh, Origins, Brenna. Oh, yeah, that one was so good. Did, what was it called? It's called The Quiet Year. And it's yeah. really and interesting. It's like a tiny little book. Yeah, it's a one tiny little book and a deck of cards. And uh, you'd need like a piece of paper and a pen to play it. And that's it. It's a it's an RPG, but it's a one-off. So you just play one session of it. You don't build campaigns. But it's like, it calls itself both like a map drawing game and also like a community building game. So rather than playing as individual characters, each player is playing as sort of abstractly representing members of this community. And as you go through the cards that all have like different prompts on them for stuff that happens... And like, as you go through the seasons of a full year of this community, you draw new things on the map that represent different things happening in the community. Uh, Or like, it can be actual physical spaces that you discovered, or it can be more abstract, like it represents like a shortage of food or something, but you draw it on the map, whatever it is that happens. And then, yeah, by the end of the year, like... The game ends when you draw out a special card that means that the Frost Shepherds arrived, which whatever that is, it's a big disaster that's come to your community. So like the story of the game is actually that you're kind of rebuilding a community post-disaster and then there's another disaster coming at the end of it. But you're exploring what you can do to sort of communally build something together throughout the course of that year. And some really interesting and cool moments can come out of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I it was a very unique experience. I've never really played anything a lot like it. I mean, it did remind me of a game I used to play as a like when I was 12. Like my friends would get together and we'd just get a giant piece of white butcher paper and we'd all get some pencils and say, "Okay, we're going to play map." It was like map game and we'd draw like a big island and like we'd draw oh, little dude. little towns and stuff. Craig, do you remember this? Did you ever play yes, this? Yes, dude, yeah. that game was awesome. <laughs> and we'd like, <laughs> you'd like draw your towns and your castles and stuff. And then, you know, there'd be, maybe there'd be wars or, or things would happen. Yeah, I was, I, I always enjoyed that, playing that game. But uh, um, yeah, this game was, was kind of like it. Another thing that was fun about this game um, is that you could express displeasure. You had like, didn't you have cubes oh, yeah. or something? Yeah, so, yeah. It was... <laughs> and we could express displeasure with people's... It was oh, contempt I... tokens. Yeah, contempt. contempt. But here's another thing that we didn't... Maybe, I mean, I hope I was listening well enough to Brenna to know, but um, a quiet year, like, part of the point of the game is that you don't get to talk to other people on their turn. They just get to take their turn like there's a certain phase of the game where only one person can speak there can't be a big discussion and and that person just speaks and you all listen but you can put a contempt token in front of them to show that you don't like what they said Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting because 
you know, in games like that, yeah, there's a phase where you're, you're discussing, you're, you're getting things ready, you're planning how you're going to start this campaign, but then you really have to practice the art of self-control and stay quiet when what you want to do is fight or encourage or discuss or, yeah. you know, banter. And it, there's still a lot of fun in the game, but yeah, that was a unique part of it is having to stay quiet and listen. Yeah. And I think it was a, it was a unique mechanic to try to make sure that the game kept moving and also that everybody had a say because you could play a game like that where somebody would just like dominate it, you know, but it also, it also mm. keeps it more thematic and story focused instead of like getting distracted by the game elements of it. Cause I feel like part of the point of that particular rule is that it is kind of a co-op game in that you're working together as a community to try to solve different problems. Like you might have certain scarcities or a threat might show up, but the, the important thing about the sort of discussion rules is that you can't talk about it out of character, what to do to solve your problems. Like you can't make plans. You can't try to game it. You can't try to figure out how to have the best outcome. You have to try to put yourself in the shoes of the people who live there and act like how they would. So there are, you can, you can frame a discussion where everybody on the table gets to weigh in on a problem, but you have to frame it as a discussion sort of in world, in character in a way, even if it's not specific members of the community, everyone gets to weigh in as people in the community rather than as players, you know? So it keeps it, it keeps it really thematic and, and like story focused rather than, game mechanic focused you know that's awesome and it struck me as very timely like i i don't want to like dive into anything here but it does feel like in a lot of world problems you know you don't always get this resolution we're so we're so hungry for endings for solutions for you know that feeling of okay it's done now and there weren't very many moments like that in the game. A lot of times we had to just see that, you know, something was left hanging and we were just, yeah, we, we just had, had to watch to it sort hang of and it. say, okay, yeah. well, and that's like, how it's going to be. And, and I've said my piece, but we can't hammer this out until we make a decision. Like it's just, yeah. nope, you get one I mean, say, one say, one say, and that's it. And you move on. And like, I liked the unexpected things that would happen. Like, like characters we had built up would like die or leave or, you know, yeah, or like yeah. a new character would like show up that we'd, because the game just sort of prompts you like, okay, now something happens. Like it just says like, uh, uh, like somebody dies. And you, and get, so to you, ha- you get to decide who dies. And if it's your turn, you know? And so, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole group doesn't decide who dies. It's yeah, it's whoever, like whoever draws the draws card, the card gets, to gets to decide. And then yeah. you have to sort of make up what, like why they died or anyway. Man, the more I think about it, the more I'm, I remember how impressed I was with this game. Yeah. yeah. Just, I, mean, I mean, it was so simple, but it was so well crafted. Absolutely. I think, I, I think it, it wouldn't always work though. It would, I think you definitely have to have the right group of people yeah, together. Yeah, for sure. But uh, which what... we are obviously, oh, yeah, yeah, which is why we have such a lovely time. It's <laughs> such a good we job at it. But yeah, no but games, like yes. what you were saying about sort of leaving things hanging, Mallory. Like I feel like the way that the game ends really adds to that as well. Because so the cards are divided into four different seasons, and then every turn a player draws a card, and that represents a week in the year that's happening. 
So you play through all of the seasons, and then during the winter season, there's uh, the Frost Shepherds card that can come out at any time. It's just, you know, shuffled into the winter deck, basically. And that's what ends the game. So during the winter season, you have no idea when the end of the game is going to come, and it can happen at any time, and when it happens, that's it. And so that's kind of a way that, like, whatever story you've built up to that point, you're going to have loose ends. You're going to leave some things hanging. And that is, I think, important to sort of the atmosphere that the game is trying to build, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, playing this game is almost like being in a, like, story, um, <laughs> story, like, boarding room probably mm, yeah. like for you know when they get the group the yeah. you know for like tv shows or or movies where they sit there and they hash out how a story's gonna go it, it really i wonder is how a, different that is it really is a game of collaborative storytelling and sort of in a way all our tabletop rpgs are but this one like kind of on a on a bigger level it's collaborative storytelling on a grander scale in a way because you're not just doing individual characters and their stories. You're doing a whole a whole community. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it was it was interesting. It was fun. I yeah. enjoyed it. For now sure. who designed that? Did we say it's oh, a quiet um, place? Do you have it? I, I have it pulled up right here. It is done by Dead Air. Um, this is gonna be doesn't great. Company doesn't have a company name. What the I fuck? can. I'm gonna. I can go grab my copy real quick. Just a second, because I own Do it. it. So okay. Be right back. Ian, enter in some like uh, soft uh, jazz tune, like <laughs> elevator music. <laughs> oh, I got elevator right. music right here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I have I have a joke. Speaking of which. So Kenny G walks into an elevator and he says, okay, this rocks. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) The game is, oh, Kenny, the game is the quiet year, a map game. Why did you say quiet place? Oh, the quiet year. I've been thinking about that movie. It's a map game about community and struggle by Avery Alder. So thank you, Avery Alder, for making such an interesting game. A round. I'm giving a round of applause. Yes, right now. very nice. nice. Okay, well, um, I think we are about running out of time. Tip, but... tip, tip of the week. Yeah, yeah. Give a, Ready? Give a tip, quiz. Tip, tip, tip of the week. Okay. Yeah. Because I forgot to discuss this when Ryan said, "Is there anything exciting going on?" <laughs> yeah. Tip of the week: If you start a hike. Know how long it is before you get over half of the way there. Because you may just start thinking you are going to hike for an hour and end up six hours later running down the trail to try to get your kids from school. So, oh, no. Sounds like experience. <laughs> yeah. Know your trail hike. length and was... difficulty. Well, we're on this, we're on this hike and, and we, we're like, okay there's this lake and we've got to we've got to make it to the lake you know it's probably it's probably right over the next hill it's right probably only yeah and so you go over the next hill and you're like oh what if it's just right behind those trees <laughs> and so you keep going you're like oh but what if it's just up this hill it's probably right there and we would turn around and we wouldn't see it and so we did this over and over and over and over again 
And then we were like, let's we, ask somebody. So then the next person that came down is like this lady that's like trail running. So we're like, we're totally not stopping her to ask her how long it is to the lake. So then there's the, like the next group is like, I don't know. We passed like three groups we didn't want to ask because we didn't want to inconvenience them because that's just kind of how we are. But then finally, we get this group of men that have hiked down. We're like, how much further? They're like, you're definitely three quarters of the way there. Oh, no. So I get out my Fitbit and I like start the GPS tracker just to see. So from that point where they said we were three quarters of the way there to the point we got to the lake was two and a half miles. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And all and uphill, like, like super lake. steep it grade. It was super steep. Uh, no, it was Lake Blanche. And Ryan's carrying okay. Jamie on his back. Oh, right? yeah. And I hadn't eaten <laughs> breakfast or like dinner the night before. Oh, my gosh. So we're like dying and we have no snacks we have plenty of water and jamie has a huge milk bottle so he's fine but oh man it was it was an adventure yeah definitely oh when we made it to the lake it was super worth it but yeah know your trail link know your trail know your game length know the length yeah there you go (laughs) know the length of the great western trail you're gonna take up to the lake Nice. Wah. I like how that tied all together. <laughs> well done, Brenna. That was good. That was a cute message. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening. You can visit our website, redravengames.com. Visit our Kickstarter, uh, the Ancient World Second Edition, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Red Raven Game or at Ryan Lockett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Aspland. And you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, Craig Nice, my name. So if you want to send me a friend, friend, friend request, you can. But my username is AgroXCraig. I do amazing videos and I have dumb takes about everything on Twitter. It's always fun to have dumb takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what dumb Twitter's or for. Dumb hot takes. <laughs> yeah, not hot takes, just dumb takes. Oh, yeah. okay. Dumb takes are a hot bit takes. milder than hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> all right well uh thanks everybody have a good week see you later never more bye never more